This is the Caniac Report. I am Sam Wallace. And I am Sam Driscoll. And you know what? What? The off season's picking up. Yes, it is. around the NHL. Um, got a couple of trades and a few signings too, and quite a bit of uh, some Canes news and rumors going on. Um, Sam and I will be talking about that, and then later in the last half of the episode, you guys are just going to hear me talking a lot about uh, the draft on Thursday and a few players that I have found that might be suitable for us to uh, draft. So, uh, Sam, let's uh, start with that uh, Kevin Fiala trade. That was a big trade, wasn't it? It was, and if you listen to Elliot Friedman's uh, 32 Thoughts, you'll know that I think this deal was made more or less for Anze Kopitar and Drew Doughty. They, they want to keep playing and competing and contending. So Kevin Fiala gives them that um, that chance. So I think it will allow them to be more competitive. I think it will give them that step. I think if they had a player like Fiala in this year, I think they would have beaten the Oilers because it was just so competitive and close. Quick was outstanding. Um, I think uh, L.A. is going to be pretty good this year. They're going to be a playoff team. I don't think they will miss. Um, I think Fiala kind of guarantees that maybe they'll even be a top three. Oh, definitely. Um, Fiala is a very electrified goal scorer, and that's something that L.A. kind of uh, missed in that uh, playoff series against Edmonton and uh, Minnesota. I mean, I think they do good. Um, Also on their end, they get a uh, first-round draft pick. It's 19th in this year's draft. I think that was good, and they get a second-round prospect. So, Yeah, and I mean, you know, Minnesota – basically had no choice but to to do the trade they they have cap problems galore when they chose to buy out um parise and Suter, which i thought was a monumental mistake on their part it really it, it created cap problems for them for years to come so they're going to have to navigate that from now on um i think that's a, that was it was a mistake um but that's this is the cost of that that decision they got cap room for the single season and now it's going to cost them. So they have to get rid of a player like Fiala, who they probably would have had room for if they chose not to buy out Suter and uh, Parise. Yeah, unfortunate uh, for Minnesota. But, I mean, they kind of uh, bite the bullet there with those uh, contracts they bought out. Um, yeah, and uh, yesterday we got some news with the uh, Ryan and McDonough trade yeah. to uh, Nashville. And that was another team in uh, Tampa, who kind of like Minnesota was kind of, well, they didn't have any cap space. They were actually like around 10% over before they yeah. traded Madonna. Yeah. And I mean, they, they had to make the deal, but some people have been saying, you know, why, are, why is Nashville helping out Tampa Bay? Well, I don't think they're helping out Tampa Bay. I think McDonough fits what they need, a veteran leader presence there. Um, someone who's going to be able to secure their top four on defense. Um, because really all they had was Roman Yossi, 
So this kind of gives them a, a solid top four defenseman. Um, I thought when I heard that Tampa was looking to move him, uh, I, I thought he could have been a fit in Carolina, but I felt like Gardner would have had to have gone out first and there just hadn't been any rumblings on that. So I don't think Carolina was in a position to do that because of his cap hit, I think it was like 6'4", 6.4 mil. Yeah, his so you, cap you would have had to have gotten rid of Gardner. So yeah, again, um, and, he would have had to have gotten rid of Gardner for that that to have worked out for us. And I mean, it would have been more. I mean, the extra two and a half probably would have been worth it. I think he would have been a good partner for Slavin, or um, even a third pairing. But I think you would have wanted him on that top pair. Oh, definitely. And I'm looking at Madonna's uh, cap hit: six point seven five million dollars uh, for the next four years. Um, and he's 33 years old. So I, if I was Carolina, I wouldn't really be interested in a guy like that who's already. So yeah, the, the contract wasn't very friendly, but I thought the player was. So um, he's the kind of player I felt like we could have used. But yeah, at, at the term, I, I felt like for Carolina to be interested, Tampa would have had to have retained salary, at least $2 million, And they weren't going to be interested in that. Yeah, they weren't. Um, and uh, speaking of Tampa, they also uh, signed um, Nick Paul to a seven-year contract. Uh, I was surprised by the term, uh, but $3.15 million, I think that was pretty good. I thought Nick Paul had a pretty good playoffs with uh, I think it was, a, it was a hometown discount. I, I feel like he probably could have gotten more on the open market, but... Um, he clearly wants to stay in Tampa and I don't blame him. It's a good organization, a good fit for him. So that makes sense. Let's see what, what you, um, I think he did well. He's going to be a solid player for them. You know, good depth, you know, bottom six forward. And that's a good deal for bottom six under four for seven. You know, you're secured your, you know, you've secured a, a good solid younger player for a while. That's important to do. Yes, it is. Um, and, well, yeah, like, dur- during the season, man, Nick Paul in 21 games with Tampa, 14 points. That's pretty pretty good um, during the trade when he got traded there. Um, Buffalo Sabres, uh, they resigned an old goalie in Craig Anderson. Uh, it was more of a resign because he was already there. Uh, yeah. But, um, I've always liked Craig Anderson. And it should, and I think him choosing to sign there says a lot about what he believes Buffalo, the direction the Sabres are going in. Um, so I, I think that's interesting. I think he feels like they're going to be competitive this year. I, I think so too. I think if Skinner keeps playing well, I think they've got a you know, good young player. Um, and, you know, Skinner's a former Hurricane, and, I, and I'd love to see him get some playoff action because when he was younger and before he became a hurricane or was drafted, his best play was always in the playoffs. So I want to see Jeff Skinner in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, I don't even like it, Buffalo, but I want to see Skinner in the playoffs. Yeah, I do too. And I also think Buffalo kind of played pretty good toward the end of the season. And I think they could uh, maybe get a playoff spot if I would say maybe if Boston falters, maybe. So I think I think Boston's been able to forestall their rebuild for one more year. Um yeah. with Bergeron coming back. I think that's gonna help. I mean, Marchand's gonna be out for the first half of the season. That's gonna hurt. Um Posternock's not really happy there, I think, anymore. 
So I think it's something maybe his play is going to have a factor. However, I think at Boston, if you see Boston out of a playoff spot at the deadline, I think you should look for, look to them to see if they make some moves. If they feel like uh, Pasternak's not coming back, I think it could be a, a, tr- a trade deadline target for a lot of playoff teams. Yeah, Boston's going to be a little bit interesting um, heading into the season. Um, and there were a couple more uh, coaching decisions. Uh, Winnipeg uh, hires Rick Bonus. He was the Dallas Stars head coach the past yeah, two that, seasons. That surprised me. Um, I had heard Rick Tockett was uh the guy going to winnipeg so to see bonus as the option was interesting i think he's a good coach i didn't feel like him getting released from dallas was uh, the best move especially with who they replaced him with so i think dallas made the mistake here and winnipeg's going to benefit from it oh yeah I, i liked rick bonus for dallas i thought he was really good and part of the reason um, how Dallas got to the Stanley Cup final. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. Um, and I know San Jose, they fired Bob um, Bogner. Or I'm not even trying to pronounce Bob Bogner as head coach. Bob Bogner. So they fired him. Um, I, I think that was scummy of the organization to fire him this late into the coaching changes because for him, it's going to be hard for him to find a, a job. Um, I don't think he's a great coach. I think he might fit better as an assistant, maybe a little bit longer. But I think, you know, Tampa Bay is going to have an assistant spot available. So, you know, there, there are options for him. Not as many as if San Jose had made this decision a month ago. And you have to think this is a decision they were going to make. You know, they've wanted, they, they've thought about making even a month ago. So this doesn't make a lot of sense and why they're doing it now. Um, again, if you listen to Elliot Friedman, you know, they've got some players in mind. Ray Whitney, a former hurricanes is a, is one of their, one of the guys they're looking at. Yeah. I saw that for a general manager. So that's going to yeah. be interesting. I like, Ray Whitney I mean, I think Ray Whitney player. would be good. Yeah, I, I did too. I think Whitney would be good over there. Um, I think it'd be a smart decision. Yeah, it would. And, San, the only thing with San Jose is that they're an enigma to me because I think they need to go on a rebuild, in my opinion, uh, but they refuse to. So They're refusing to because they got players who, who, who are more or less forcing them in that position, but they need a good – they need to figure out their, their situation because they're a dumpster fire right now. Um, they don't have a coach and they don't have a general manager, so they got to figure something out fast. Yeah, they do. Um, another coach that got hired to me, this was the one that was shocking was Jim Montgomery getting hired from Boston. Well, Boston was an absolute, I mean, they were just stupid for firing Cassidy to begin with. Um, I don't understand Jim Montgomery as the choice. I think he's okay. He's not, I don't think he's going to cause them problems. I think he'll be fine as the coach. There's going to be a lot Um, of pressure on him. Because of Cassidy. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if Montgomery's going to be able to live up to it. He's, again, he's an okay coach. So we'll see. Um, I think there may have been some better options available, but um, we'll see. I know, I think going back to San Jose, I think Kirk Muller may have been linked to the Sharks. I've seen his name floated around a couple of times, actually, for some head coaching. 
spots. He was a former Hurricanes head coach, which is why I mention it. Um, I think Kirk Muller was an okay coach in Carolina. Um, his problem with us was we just never gave him the tools. So I think him going to a team with the tools, he could be a successful coach. And stay the course knows. too. Yeah, yeah. He'll he'll make sure they stay the course. So um as you we as our listeners heard the story <laughs> from your father, um, who will be a I'm sure he'll come back on and talk to us about how the hurricanes don't need to stay the course for next season. Uh, and try and uh, take another step. Yeah, definitely. And uh, lastly, when it comes to uh, the coaching decisions, um, not much to talk about um, with well, this guy. Think, yeah, I mean, Tampa Bay assistant, uh, no surprise, given the former general manager of Tampa Bay was uh, Steve Eiserman, right? So, no shock here. Eiserman is now the GM of Tampa, of Detroit and goes and gets Derek Lalonde. Right call, right choice. Any of the coaching staff from Tampa is going to be coveted. So, right move. Yeah. I thought it was pretty right move, too. And I thought it was a sneaky move, too, to be honest, because I'm sure there were a lot of fans that were expecting him to make a uh, bigger splash, possibly. Um, but I trust Eiserman. I think he's one of the best GMs in the league. I think it's a great choice. I think the only other coach that may have fit well there would have been Paul Maurice. So I think this is a good call. Good choice. One of the the better options. Yes. And now we'll get to uh, some Canes news as um, it's being reported. And uh, I'm sure you, uh, you, you heard from Adam Gold that at least we might be going into arbitration with D'Angelo. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. And he, and he might be talking to other teams. Yeah. So they, they've given him permission to have conversations with other teams. Um, I think this could be a benefit to both Carolina and D'Angelo. I think there's going to be a lot of teams who are still going to be hesitant to give him term. So I think no matter where he looks, he's not going to get term. Um, I believe arbitration is still going to benefit Carolina. I know I think Adam Gold does not agree with that, um, but I, I think arbitration benefits the Hurricanes. So yeah, I, I think Carolina actually goes to arbitration. Unless so, I, I think this is what happens. I think this is what you see. If D'Angelo and Carolina, I mean, you know, they're going to qualify him because it's just a one million dollar qualifying um, offer. So you qualify him, and, and then you'll ship his rights off. Worst case, I think if that happens, Carolina goes for Klingberg or Latang. If Latang gets the market right, so. I, I don't know what's going on with D'Angelo, but I think this could benefit both parties. I think if D'Angelo feels he's not going to get the term he wants somewhere else, he might take a two by six in Carolina or a two by five, you know, something like that, you know, two year deal where he can prove himself again. Cause I think he needs to prove himself, not just in one season, but over the course of probably like two or three. Um, so I, I think him talking to other teams, unlike the Ethan Bear situation where he also is, I think where Ethan Bear doing that's going to benefit Bear more than Carolina. I think this is going to benefit Carolina more than D'Angelo. I think he'll figure out what um, 
what what he wants. And I think we'll get something done um, the next week or so with D'Angelo, whether it's a trade or whether it's a signing. Things are going to pick up because the pre-agency is in a couple weeks and the draft is this week. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, the draft because everybody's going to be in the same building. And, yeah. um, I mean, a few years ago, we made a huge trade with um, Lindholm and Hannafin. Yeah, so, um, you know, it can draft. happen. So it can absolutely happen. Um, something could be, you know, something could happen there. I think Carolina moves natures, you know, that could be this week. If they sign him, I think that could be this week. They're not close. Another report there with with Natchez is they're they're not close on a deal. Um, so I think it's going to be dependent on which way Carolina wants to go. Right? If they're looking to make a splash, which I've seen some rumors on that that's the direction Hurricanes want. They got twenty million in cap. They're not going to just spread that out over a bunch of mediocre players. They're probably going to go get one big name and then sprinkle the rest in some, you know. Uh, entry-level contract players and maybe sign another one or two depth players, right? So I think they make that splash. It's whether that splash is, you know, a Goudreau, Malkin, or Forsberg, if these players hit the market, if they try to hit one of them, or if it's a trade for like a JT Miller, as we'll, we'll talk about too. So I, I think it's interesting to see what happens, but I think if it's a trade, you have to think Natchez is a piece. Yeah, definitely. It, it's going to be in, I mean, to me, uh, the whole D'Angelo talks of my getting traded, it, it's weird because we already went through the ringer with Hamilton, and I think it was a good choice of Knox resigning him for that much. And then, yeah, I mean, that was a ridiculous leaving. number. Um, Potentially, I'm just like, so I, I guess it's going to be one or two option with, options with Kleinberg or Latane because it's not like there's a huge um, plethora of offensive defensemen out there. So, no, but Carolina's proven they're willing to do it. Yeah. Carolina's willing to, you know, they're still willing to go get a player. And they've done it. And I we had an interesting, I had an interest, we talked, you know, on Twitter with, with some fans too. Someone commented, you know, Carolina doesn't make big deal, you know, splashes in free agency. And they're right. They, they normally don't. But I made the case. I was like, you know, they have done it before with Alexander Simmons. He was the best offensive. Yes. He was the best player available. And Carolina got him for a one by, I think it was like a one by seven, something like that. So, yeah, I think that's a possibility, especially with a player like Malkin, who's a little bit older. You know, one by eight, one by nine. I'm willing to give him something like that. Um, I think I would prefer a Goudreau or Forsberg, but they're going to want more term. If these, if you see Carolina, you know, get Goudreau or Forsberg by like a seven by eight, seven by nine, I think that tells you they don't think Ajo's the guy. But if they get a player like Malkin for a one by eight, one by nine, that tells you they still believe Ajo is their player of the future. So I think this offseason can, can potentially direct you in which way they go because I, I don't know. And I'm still not convinced that Ajo's the guy to lead this team to a cup. Um, he just hasn't shown up in the playoffs to the degree you want him to, to the consistency you want him to. Um, and then it'll be interesting. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I know Adam Gold talked a lot about like uh, our windows in two years because you have Aho, Teravina, and Jarvis and um, Shea contracts expiring. Um, but I think I, our window I mean, is longer than that. I, I, I do is too. Much longer than that. Um, and that's because you have Sechnikov, Code Kinyemi, and Slavin's never going to leave Carolina. I, I don't. Th- I think if you think Slavin's going to leave, I think that's wrong. He'll take a hometown discount to stay. Um, that even then, Carolina will give him whatever he wants to. I, I believe because um, I don't think Carolina needs the Aho, you know, Aho Teravinen to be a cup contender. If they walk, you can replace it with a player on free agency. You still have Seth Jarvis. You know, if they choose to go and you decide, oh, Seth Jarvis is far better, you, you sign Jarvis. You can still go out and, and, and if you choose to give Natchez a long-term deal, you know, Carolina is in a position where they have a lot of good young players. They have a lot of good paths, right? And then you're still going to have players that will pop up in free agency to make keep this team contenders for a long time. And if Svechnikov turns into that goal scorer, that is fantastic and maybe is 40 goal scorer a year 40 50 goals a year i think yeah. you have to believe that this window is probably closer to the five to six year range not the two-year range yes for I, this and core, I agree with two that. years for the team to be a contender a playoff team i think it's five to six before they would have to consider another rebuild yes because i mean i even made the calculations of like adam gold thinking well, uh, Jarvis is going to get like eight million or close to where Svech is getting, and we would yeah. still, with the cap space rising at that time too, have around forty million dollars in cap space. Yeah, I mean, it's this is. I mean, this two-year thing. I mean, I understand they want to plan that out, and I think you should, but also you need to try and extend that window as much as you can. So yeah, and I agree. Um, and I think what Carolina's concern is, and you've kind of seen it in how they've done contracts, is they don't they refuse to take on a bad contract, right? Tampa Bay did. You can argue the McDonough contract is bad, but McDonough helped them win two cups, and they were still able to dump the contract. So you know, if you want to go out and sign someone to a six-year deal do it if he's going to help you win now you might get say you know you know like with Dougie he signed a seven by nine they're probably going to get four years of great Dougie Hamilton and then maybe one year of okay Dougie Hamilton and then the rest aren't going to be great someone will take the contract because they're going to want the picks so is there already there's always going to be rebuilder teams year after year that's that will be willing to take back contracts for picks yeah and that's what they have to do um you know but i get it so and you know like and, and moving on you know vincent trocheck's going to test the market i mean that's no surprise yeah that's that expected not. expected i saw something recently that that the Boston Bruins were interested in Trocheck. Um and I and I can see a fit there right now with Marshand being out. Trocheck kind of fits that, you know, will slide in and be that replacement for 
for Marshan for the, that time. <laughs> Not sure how well those two players will get along once Marshan is healthy, but um, Trocek fits the need there for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I a little bit hurt, got hurt when I heard that uh, Boston was interested in Trocek. Like, oh no. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to have to deal with it both with Marshand and Trocheck once they're healthy. That would suck. Um, Ethan Bear, you know, is being looked at by Vancouver. I don't know where that. I guess it makes sense if they're looking at a rebuild. It may be cheaper players. Um, it's possible if that's the case, then maybe it's Ethan Bear um, is packaged with. Natchez and maybe a pick to bring in Miller from Vancouver if there's some interest there. Um, yeah. You know, that would probably be what's involved if Vancouver likes Bear, then Carolina might be able to use Bear, Natchez, and our maybe our second round pick this year because I don't know if I'd be willing to give a first for next year for that. I'd rather keep that available for the deadline. Exactly. Um, but I think that makes sense for Carolina. Um, if you're looking to make the splash in, in the trade, and, and you never know, Carolina could choose to make the splash in not only just the trade department, but um, in the you know free agency, they could do both. It's possible. And another player that you have to think of too, and I, I think Carolina is not uh, not going to be interested in him anymore, is DeBrinket. I think that asking price for him is as outrageous. Yeah, I, I I think so too. And I just think there are, I, I, there's so many, I, I just don't think there are teams uh, that are willing to give up a huge Kings ransom like that to get. I mean, it was, they out. want three first round draft picks and an NHL ready player and a prospect. No, sorry. No. I don't think any team is willing to do that, to be honest. Not for a player that still hasn't hasn't probably grown into what they want yet. And I, I would I would if I'm paying that, I'm paying that for Kane, not for Debrinket. Yeah, you possibly. Know, I, I'm I'm not I would never pay that for Debrinket, but I would pay it for Kane. Um, probably yeah. maybe more on the lines of two and not three firsts, but you'd be able to convince me a lot simpler for, for Kane than you would be for Patrick Kane to be specific than for, than for Alex to bring it. Yeah. And uh, if I was Chicago, honestly, I don't know why I would try and trade to bring it because he's still young. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I don't understand that. Chicago is just another organization that I think is just in a lot of just struggling right now with everything. Their PR yeah. isn't very good. It's just the team that's having some issues, but that's their problem. And uh, but yeah, the preseason schedule's out, so we kind of get an idea now when the season's going to be starting. Um, late September. Um, it's always fun to to honestly preseason games are are fun. I know not a lot of people like them because they aren't important, but it's fun to see the young players that you don't get to see a lot, right? And I mean, well, I do think they are important. For those yeah, players. and I I agree. I think it's great. I mean, without the preseason, Seth Jarvis wouldn't have made an impression. And um, I think it's going to be fun. We're going to get to see some players. We're going to get Etu Mekanyemi is going to get a look. 
you know, that's going to be fun. I'm sure he'll get a start. Kachetkov will get a start. I think you'll see those two play maybe a bit more than maybe Anderson and Ranta. Um, Cause you know, those are your guys. And, but I would, I think it'll be cool to see, you know, Brendan Morrow, Jack Drury and all these players. In the and Jameson Reese, I think, is an interesting player, too. Oh, yeah. And I think that's how Carolina has to look at this preseason, right? Is to enjoy these young players and for the fans to have a look at these young players. Yeah, definitely. And uh, last but not least, um, not so exciting news <laughs> for Canes fans. Um, last week, uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame, not the NHL, but the Hockey Hall of Fame, announce um, the players that were going to be inducted. And Brendan Moore, once again, was not among those players. It is a complete and utter embarrassment. I love Roberto Luongo, Daniel and Henrik Sedin, and Daniel Alfredson. I love those players. They are fantastic. Luongo is probably one of the best goaltenders in NHL history. The Sedins are just a unique, you know, a unique phenomena that was in the league and they were two of the best players in Vancouver. Um, but Ron Brindamore is, is a better player, was a better player than the Sedins. He, he won a cup. Sorry. Daniel Henrik never did. He had more points than them. Uh, again, with Alfredson, I believe Brindamore had more goals. Well, Alfredson never won a cup. Yeah. So three players right there, Roberto Luongo never won a Stanley Cup. So you snubbed Rob Brennamore, who has won a Stanley Cup, had more points, was a much had one of the best face-off men ever in the league, and he's won the Stanley Cup. So I don't I don't get it. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's outlandish. And Ron Brendamore should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And, and I think people are going to keep saying that until he is. And, and I believe he will be. I just can't believe that they're choosing these other players before, before Rod. Yeah. And, I mean, when I saw both Henrik and Daniel Sedin being inducted, I was like, it's because they're twins, aren't they? Yeah, and that's what I think a lot of people feel is the case there. Um you know, maybe, maybe, you know, Adam Gold is right. It takes a cup, a Stanley Cup for Rod as head coach before he gets in. I don't know what it's going to take for Rod Brindamore to be inducted into the Hall of Fame because he deserves it and he's earned it. So I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take for Rod uh, to be inducted. I mean, you know, and I recommend for all our listeners, too, to go listen to the conversation that Adam Gold had with the voice, one of the voices of the Hurricanes for years, who really knows Rod Brindamore and uh, Chuck Hayton. Um, Chuck Hayton really was able to expound on the reasons why Rod should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. He's someone who's known Rod Brindamore since the beginning of his career in Carolina. So I recommend that just, just if, you know, to hear it, I recommend that for people who vote for the Hall of Fame. And come on, you got Ron Francis on that board. Ron should know. Ron should be pushing for it. Yeah, he should. And it doesn't sound like he is, which is kind of sad. Yeah. 
you know, one thing I wish for, for the Hall of Fame that I know um, a lot of um, uh, reporters do when they vote for um, uh, candidates for like the NHL awards is I, I and I think it will uh, reveal transparency is, you know what, all 18 candidates, how about you guys reveal who you voted for? I think that's reasonable. I think that's going to help. And I think that would make the, I think that would help fans of a lot of play of a lot of players and teams feel a little bit more, at least understanding. Yeah. So a justification, something right. Give an answer. Yep. Well, that's pretty much all that we have. Um, Yeah. And I think we'll have a lot more to discuss next time after the draft maybe after carolina moves into the first round maybe carolina makes a move in general on day one or two it's going to be exciting i think it always is i'll be watching day one i'm not sure what time day two starts um no, I have both days off, day so uh, i'll keep an eye on it both. i'll be watching the second one because i know that's at the first day because that's at night so but I'm excited, so uh, we're looking forward to it. I know uh, you've got a good um, discussion upcoming. You know, you're going to be able to lay out who Carolina should probably go with, and um, I'm excited. Yeah, I am too. Well, I have a uh, good 4th of July, Sam, and, I, and also uh, for the, you guys that are listening, we hope you guys have had a great 4th of July weekend. Yeah, absolutely. You all have a wonderful, hope you all had a great weekend and we'll catch you next time. All right, guys. So let's get to the draft. Now, the draft is on Thursday. Uh, For the draft on Thursday, I know we don't have a first round pick. I'm sure you Kings fans are wondering, why are we talking about the draft if we don't have that pick? Well, for the record, the entry draft is very important for all 32 teams. All of them. Um, the question is, is how do they prioritize the draft? Teams like Tampa, Colorado aren't going to prioritize the draft as the number one priority, as you would say with probably uh, Detroit or Anaheim or Chicago even. We know Chicago's going on a full rebuild. So every draft is important to all of these teams. It's just how they prioritize the draft uh, based on where they perceive themselves to be in the league. Are you a rebuilder? Or are you contending for the cup? The Canes are going to want to try and contend for the cup. So it was okay for us when we offered she to KK to give up that first round pick because we need to get better now. And I agree. We need to get better now. Uh, Sam Driscoll and I even talked about this um, in our team evaluations of the last two episodes. So what we're going to talk about is a lot of different players. We're going to talk about the top of the draft and then the guys that we could select in the second and third round. I am not going beyond third round because this draft is seen to be all over the place. And basically with any other draft, after you get out of the third round, 
it's very, very likely in all drafts that each team's scouting reports are going to be different. So let's get to those players. Now, at the top of the draft, we have um, a bit of a debate going on with Shane Wright and Juras Slavoski. Uh, these two players have been battling for that number one um, position in the draft. Now, both of those players have different skill sets. Um, Shane Wright, at the beginning of the season, was projected to go first overall. He he really was. And now, with the rise of Yaroslavovsky, which I guess that's how you pronounce his name. Not perfect in that area. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, rose up in that draft, and is now competing with Shane Wright. Now, Shane Wright, um, he is still projected to be the better player in the long term. A very good, solid two-way player. Kind of like a Patrice Bergeron. And I would say a little bit of Rod Brendamore. Because Brendamore himself was a very good two-way player. Another attribute that Shane Wright has is also he has a very good high hockey IQ and vision. And for those of you who don't know those terms very well in the hockey realm, um, it's uh, knowing um, when to react and not um, being forced to make a play when the other team's defense is upon you. So, that, so that's a little bit of what hockey IQ is like. And vision is just r- reading when a player can make can receive a pass too. That's that goes a long way in the vision category of hockey. So Shane Wright, he exceeds and all that stuff, and he's also very good at again, kind of making that pass. He is known for being a very good playmaker, also. Um, the thing that he lacks though, that Yaroslavovsky is, and the reason why I'm talking about these two players is because they are fighting for that number one spot. Yaroslavovsky uh, is um, a lot more um, NHL ready right now. Even though Shane Wright has the better potential for the long term, Slovakia is better um, at his game right now compared to Shane Wright's game. And he... Think of uh, Slavoski as an Andrei Svechnikov type of player. Uh, he is a very gritty, there's high compete in his game, and he has a really, really good shot, too. Very creative with his puck handling is also what other scouts say. The only thing uh, that he might have against them is against himself is the fact that he is a winger and usually in these drafts centers do go ahead of wingers um but it's really interesting because on the final rankings uh one of the most credible um draft uh scouts with bob mckenzie's rankings has Slavoski at number one ahead of Wright. I I mean, Montreal is drafting first, 
and it's going to be in Montreal, so a lot of pressure is on them. I think they're going to draft Shane Wright due to the fact that they do need centers. They lost KK in the offer sheet that Carolina offered. And they also lost Philip Denold, who was a very good defensive center that is now with the LA Kings. I think Montreal is going to take Shane Wright. Now, whether New Jersey trades that second round pick or not is up to them. But if they don't, I do think they're going to go with Slavoski, and he could be very dangerous, along with Jack Hughes. Really could. And New Jersey is an up-and-coming team, and we're going to have an episode on analyzing the teams in our division. New Jersey can be scary. I'm just going to throw that out there. They can be very scary. But those are the two guys that are really... um, Battling for that number one position. Again, Shane Wright, more of a playmaker. Savosky is more of that power forward sniper type of player that can really get in under your skin. And now, um, the next player I'm going to be talking about here, and he he's probably going to be in the top three. Now, this draft is all over, so he could go below. Uh, but that is Logan Cooley. The big thing with Cooley that scouts are saying is that he has very explosive speed, which in today's NHL, you need to have. And that's something that a lot of the Final Four teams had in the playoffs. They all had that speed. And also, he's... He's a center, so that also helps, too. Again, usually when it comes to centermen, uh, they can play the wing, but wingers cannot necessarily be centermen. Now, there are exceptions to that. I think of Ajo. When he first started with us, he was a winger, and now he's a centerman. I still think he's a pretty good centerman. Some people might disagree with that, but I think Ajo is a very good all-around player. Back uh, to the draft with Logan Cooley. Um, Another thing he has is very good creativity and his playmaking and just his sheer offense has been very good um, for this guy. Now, um, He's been a little bit compared to one scout to Maddie Beneers, who has been a prospect for Seattle and actually has played like the last nine games, I believe. And he's done pretty good. Logan Coley might not have the hockey IQ that Beneers have, but his potential is a first line center in the NHL. So very high potential. Uh, Number three, in the draft is um, Arizona, and Arizona could use that type of player. Arizona is obviously in a dumpster fire right now, and they need a player like Cooley. They already have, I think, a pretty good um, prospect in Dylan Gunther, and hopefully maybe Victor, Victor Soderstrom works out for them, but having both get, Gunther and uh, Cooley in their pipeline, I think, will really benefit Arizona in the long run. And hopefully they don't have to go out um, and tear everything down again. 
the stats that Logan Cooley has um, with the U.S. National U18 team um, in 51 games, he had 27 goals and 48 assists for 75 points. Uh, I do think the sky is the limit for um, him. And to me, he's actually probably one of my favorites overall in the draft. I have watched a few videos of Logan Cooley and I think he's going to be a very good player. Now these are other, pl- another player is we're going to go with a defenseman and uh, Simon Nemec. He is considered to have an interesting, um, skill set on the ice. He's not a flashy defenseman. By any chance. In fact, a scout actually said that his play is very boring to watch because there's not a lot of weaknesses in this guy's game. And Simon Nimick, um, looks like he's going to be the, probably the best defenseman in the draft, even though David Jurek sure is fighting for that spot as well. I will get to him. After I do Nimic, guys, don't worry. So Simon Nimic, he is very good with his uh, teamwork. He uh, really does help his other players um, get the benefit of the doubt. He's very good at his puck handling skills. He's very good in his strength and very good speed and passing. Again, there's not a lot of weaknesses with this guy. Um, the lowest he is ranked on um, when it comes to the scouting polls is ninth on Bob McKenzie's. And I do think Bob McKenzie's is very credible. I do think Nimic is going to go higher. I'm looking at you, Seattle, because we all know that their GM, Ron Francis, loves defensemen. So yeah, Simon Nemec, he seems like a very solid defenseman. He has more potential. Then I think he does with um, David Yurchak. Uh, David Yurchak, I do, do believe right now, kind of like what Slavoski is being compared to right, is more NHL ready. Uh, the thing that David Yurchak does have, though, is teamwork. He has very good shock blocking, his puck handling, and also his passing have been very notable strengths and uh, both of them seem to have very good speed too and at this day in Asian hockey you need to have speed Eurocheck is also known as a pretty good two-way uh, defenseman now during the season um, he actually had knee surgery but uh, the good thing is is that that didn't really affect him in the draft Another thing that I think he has, David Yurichek, really has going for him is that he played with men in the Czech League, which turns out to be a very good um, experience to have when you go into the NHL. We look at Martin Natchez. Even though he had a past rough season, Natchez had experience of playing with men in the Czech League. And I think that's also part of the reason why David Yerichek, um is a little bit more NHL-ready compared to Simon Nemec, even though I think Nemec does have far more uh, potential than David 
uh, Euro check. Um, I know in the scouting polls, um, TSM Bob McKenzie has him at seventh. Um, I can see him going at seventh. I, I, I can see him going maybe a little bit higher. Um, but I do think there are other uh, forwards to consider when you have Joachim Kamel and Matthew Savoie. Uh, Joachim Kamel, uh, he is a obviously a very good sniper, and which means that he can really um, beat the defenders, and he can very get creative and go for that um, shot that leads to goals. This guy is a finisher. He is that sniper type of player, like I said. Now, he is a small player, so that might go a little bit against him, but he's still very good. The one thing that Joachim Kamel needs to work on is uh, making more plays for uh, his teammates. Uh, he So his teamwork ability needs to be improved on, as well as his passing. Um, I know um, Elite Prospect says that he has the third best shot um, in the draft. Like, his shooting is deadly, especially his one-timer. His one-timer has been excellent. His hockey sense is pretty good, too. And he can be physical sometimes. But um, an overall player, he should be in, in the top ten. Um, the last player I want to talk about um, that I do think will be in the top 10 is this Matthew Savoie. He is a lot like a Tavo Teravinen player. He's very good in his playmaking ability. He also has a very good um, shot, too. Uh, his shot is very accurate, um, is what I have learned from a lot of scouts when scouting Savoie. A couple of things that he does need to um, work on is his hockey sense. Uh, he, he needs to better dictate on when to pass, uh, when to shoot the puck, he, because he has both. Very good. Um, physicalness isn't really there. But this is an all-around very good uh, player. I, I do think he is in the top 10. And uh, he's even being compared a little bit to Matthew Shane and Kevin Fiala uh, in the NHL. And we know both of them, especially Fiala, in my opinion, are very uh, good players. Now, let's talk. So those are the guys at the top of the draft. Now let's get to the guys who... I think we could draft. And a lot of these guys, when I was uh, searching them up, I went with uh, players that we need, which makes sense. You're going to want uh, the needness for a certain player when you get to the second round. Um, I believe in, when you're in the first round, and especially in the top 10, you need to take the best player available. Do not draft by need. And a couple teams have done that. But once you get especially into the second round, um, it really divulges um, on which team thinks on 
how good a player is. So in the second round, we have the 60th pick. And a player that I think could be good is uh, Simon Forsmark. He's a left-handed defenseman. He played for the Arabero of the SHL. Hopefully I did not butcher that. And he actually did pretty well in his uh, junior team. He got uh, five goals, 22 assists, and 27 points. But when he got um, into the um, a little bit more of the pro level on the SHL, uh, he didn't play as well. But again, he's still young. He can still develop. Now, uh, his height, I do want to mention he is a little bit tall, 6'2", and that is what I'm aiming for with a lot of these players. These are big, tall guys, because I do think, even though the Canes are um, um, good at drafting players, they tend to draft um, undersized players, um, I mean, I think of Seth Jarvis a little bit, too. Seth Jarvis, he's a small player, but he's really good. And I do think Carolina needs more um, tall, big players to draft because those are the type of players that you do see in the Final Four of the, the playoffs this past season. All four teams had big players, and Carolina does, I think, need to get bigger. So I'm aiming for tall players. Another uh, defenseman. And I do think um, we need to stress a little bit on the defensive side of the prospects. I think our forward group is pretty good with Noel Gunler, Jack Drury, Vasily Ponomarev. Um, but our D, I do think, is the weakest pipeline when you look at or when you compare it to our four group and our goaltending position. So Simon Forsmack and Noah Warren. Now Noah Warren, he is six foot five. So he's taller than Simon Formack, but he's a right-handed defenseman. Uh, he played in the QMHL and he got five goals, 19 assists and 24 points in 62 games. Now that's not something that's like, um, wow, he's playing great, but it's solid. And I know we have Scott Morrow in the pipeline, but another right shot uh, defenseman doesn't hurt either. And with Noah Warden being a six foot five, you're definitely getting size as a factor there as well. Um, another player that I thought to me was the most interesting that I found that could be good for the Hurricanes is Philip. I'm going to butcher this, Bastet, I could be wrong on how to pronounce that last name, but I'm doing the best I can on that. He is projected to go a little bit um, earlier or get picked up a little bit earlier in the draft, especially in the second round. But if we can get this guy, I mean, he's a center, and I think he could be a pretty good pickup. Uh, he played very well for the junior Swedish elite 
Uh, in 40 games, he had uh, 16 goals, 33 assists for 49 points. This guy did very, very well over a point per game. He also has size to his advantage, too. He is six foot five. He's also known for his puck handling skills and playmaking ability. The only thing that Philip Bystet needs to work on is his acceleration, his speed. He doesn't know when to get across um, the ice uh, behind the defenseman. That has been an issue for some scouts. Um, Now, for the third round, I tend to pick a little bit more on the winger side of things. So uh David Kaplan I saw he's 6 foot 3 again. Um pretty big guy. He played for the new US national team. In 53 games he had uh 13 goals, 15 assists, 38 points. And he's he's the type of player that I could see Carolina pick up. He's known for his hockey IQ his vision, and he's very good at passing. So a little bit like Seth Jarvis, even though Seth Jarvis is more of a goal scorer, he has that IQ and vision that I think the Hurricanes really like. He will be playing for the University of Boston. The only thing that David Kaplan needs to work on is his strength, agility, and his flexibility, Um, mainly his skating. Um, needs to be a little bit more creative. Um, but again, when you get into players that are projected to go in the second or third round, these are players that are going to have to work on a few things. And if David Kaplan can reach his potential, I do think there is top six. And there may be top nine. Same for uh, Yanni Nyman. I'm a little bit more hyped. On y- Yanni Nyman than I am with David Kaplan. Uh, he's six foot three as well. He played very, very well in the U um, eighteen tournament for Finland. And uh, for the total points, he had in twenty one games eleven goals, ten assists, and twenty one points. This is a player that is known to be a sniper type of player which is good for the Hurricanes because they need a finisher on their team. And he is also known for his um, shot and strength. Uh, This guy uh, is really good at shaking off the opposition pretty well. The only thing he needs to work on is uh, skating. And skating seems to be an issue for a lot of these players when you get into the second and third round and especially beyond is just skating for a lot of these players. But I think having um, drafting a guy like Nyman would be beneficial because you are getting a finisher for this team who hopefully can make the NHL. Um, the last player I do want to talk about is um, Matthew Poitras. Again, could have butchered that last name. But I'll just go with Matthew Poitras. He's 5'11". He's a little bit smaller. But he played pretty good um, in the OHL. He had 68 in 68 games. He had 21 goals, 29 assists for 50 points. He is known for his uh, forecheck and intensity. Think of him as, as a little bit of a 
Brock McGinn type of player. He he never gives up. Very emotional uh, type of player, but he doesn't have a. I mean, he has some skill. He needs to work on his playmaking and hockey sense, which does remind me of Brock McGinn. But he's pretty good at um, getting the puck behind the net. And another player that I think the Hurricanes could pick up. Again, overall, I just spewed out a few players that I kind of liked. I'm not saying the Hurricanes will draft them. I'm not saying the Hurricanes won't. Because this draft is truly all over the place. But, I mean, what are your guys' thoughts heading into the draft? Are there certain players that uh, you think the Hurricanes should draft? Um, I would like to hear them. I mean, we have our own email in the uh, description of this episode that I will provide. If you guys have any questions or think of any players that the Hurricanes could draft, please send those to us. We love having those conversations, but this draft is going to be fun. And we, I hope we have uh, some activity in terms of trades. I know fans love trades. I, I love it when Gary Bettman um, comes up to the podium and says, well, we have a trade to announce, and then the whole building just goes wild. And then they go back to booing Gary Bettman because people love to boo him. I find it funny. But, uh, yeah. If you guys like this episode, please rate, subscribe, and leave a review. And also, please share it, too. Uh, We love to have um, more and more listeners as we go along in this podcast journey. And, again, we want to thank you guys so much that have been listening to us we are just really f- fortunate, honestly, both Sam and I, that uh, you take a time out of your day to listen to our podcast. So thank you guys so much. Um, I am Sam Wallace, and I hope you guys have a nice week. See you guys. Mm-hmm.